Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. To ring in the new year, I have a special show for you where we take to task leadership. Now, I don't find that people are as interested in the traditional concept of leadership as they are just being able to be a positive influence in others' lives and helping and serving people. This is actually what true leadership is. It's not from authority, which we get into discussing. My guests today are my most frequent co-hosts. Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert, and Tom Ziegler, CEO of Ziegler Inc. and son of Zig Ziegler. These two men are two of my closest and dearest and longtime friends and two of the greatest experts and students of self-help and personal growth that I know. My initial intent was to have us audit our own year of self-help and offer insight and resources. But Tom got on this topic of leadership and we just couldn't let it go. Coach leadership is what he calls it. As it hit to the core of our work and our personal lives, we did a lot of discussion on parenting and influencing people at large. So I stuck with the topic and my original intent to discuss, you're going to hear in the next episode of Self-Helpful, part two, I'm calling it. But here we dig deep into the purpose we all find in solving problems and bringing solutions to other people, the power and inspiration of being curious, and the necessity of personal and social awareness for ultimate success and fulfillment. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, it'd be great if you would leave a review. And as always, the best thing you could do is just discuss it with someone else. Keep the conversation going. You can always connect with me and find me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Tom Ziegler, Dr. Randy James, and I have a deep conversation on this core human desire for leadership and the aspect of being a positive influence and being of true service to others. So you guys, my friends, uh, two of the most prolific personal growth seekers that I know, which is why we're one of the reasons we're, we're friends, what drew us together, what has kept us being friends for so long now and why we do these shows together. And I mean, so when we look at personal growth, personal development, self-improvement, all the labels that I tie up into self-help, uh, you're my guys. So I wanted to do, this is a, what I would want to do for you a couple of days after Christmas, which it is and say, man, tell me about the year. I want to know the good, the bad, the ugly in this frame of yeah. What was, what stood out to you? What did the year, as you look back on it, what was your hope? What were your hopes? What actually happened? What are you grappling with? And now we've got everybody who listens to the show knows the Ziegler wheel of life and those seven spokes, and we could go through those, but I didn't want to make it quite that rote. And, uh, so I, I got some big questions just to kind of top it off. And then we may drill into some of those though, Tom, I did want to start off asking you because I know, I don't know if you do this, Randy, I don't specifically do this like Tom does, but Tom usually has a word of the year. What was your word for 2022 that we're still in? We got a few days left. What was the word? I forgot. You told me coach leadership. Coach, just explain that, what it meant to you as you put that as a banner over your year. Yeah, I believe there's a, the world has changed and the old top down command and control do it because I said so. Leadership no longer works. Um, and it never really worked. Well, I think we were just a little conditioned to it. Um, but with young people, it certainly doesn't work. And so coaching, coach leadership is coaching through or leading through questions. Hmm. And what it does is it creates ownership uh, in the individuals. So if you're leading someone with the right questions, whatever plan is created, uh, whatever goals are illuminated, then that person owns that. Because instead of you telling them, hey, this is what you need to do, this is how it's going to work they co-create the plan with you. Yeah. 
And and I think um, studying with 10 leadership virtues and, and for the last three years now, uh, it's been a sea change in the way people see their work. Uh, they want it to matter. They want it to fulfill a purpose. And coaches can draw that connection better than uh, what I call the T-Rex type leader, you know, sharp teeth and short arms, command and control. So that was, that's been my word for the year. And it's, it's, uh, it's really been a year of coach leadership. Goodness. <clears throat> I can easily um, dovetail onto that, Tom, without using those same words, but not that it has been the word for this year, but it certainly has been manifested more this year on, on the medical side that, and you guys will also resonate with the idea that, my goodness, there cannot be a truer statement of what you just said, so I won't restate it, other than to say that the better word for doctor is coach. And I'll say, I'll say and I think the American medical doctor gave it, gave it up. And if there's any example of T-Rex leadership in the world, it would be the American medical system, which is, is not a system. It's a hodgepodge, and it is command and control driven by money. At the end of it, people are not more well. They are not more fulfilled. It works well for surgery and the things that you abs- – and, Tom, you absolutely would want command and control from your surgeon. If you're out of the picture and you're under anesthesia, you don't want somebody to ask you to take ownership of this. So it doesn't apply in that area. Same with your pilot. So there are still some areas where command and control has to work, the military, which is where the word comes from. But when it comes to the, nearly the rest of everything else, and especially with medical, so, so I often, if, if for the person that can understand it or resonates, I'll say a better word for us is sensei, which is the name for doctor in Japan. And that in America brings your karate teacher and you know somebody who's going to spar with you and in that Socratic method to help you see and help you take control and ownership. Um, and I do think a question have, for me has been, well, how do I lead in that? How do you ask the right questions for them where they are? And as we just got done with our family gatherings, and I was telling my brother-in-law, so we check in about twice a year and... Um, it was neat to tell stories of what is it when somebody, and, and we don't have a word for it, it clicks in their, in their mind and they're like, oh, I'll do that. I, I get it. I'm okay. And there's, there's the click rather than me saying, ah, you should do this, or it is asking the right question, walking with them, letting them fail, or letting them try a, a certain way and then saying, yeah, last year you tried to lose weight or something and you did it this way, let's do it this way the next time. So the the coaching, which I, de- I just don't like that word because now we're also losing it, right? It, it's, it's becoming too, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. And, and Well, you've got words wrapped up in there, coach, influence, teach, all these things. So it's really interesting that you brought you guys brought this up Two nights ago, I've got 15 people in my house, every kid that I have and grandkid, except for one, uh, we were missing and then some significant others. And in the kitchen, I've got three, four of the kids talking with me about leadership, asking, I don't even know where the conversation started from it. I just kind of came in on it like I do on most of them. And they were talking about it, but they were asking or grappling with the Authority that comes with experience, a degree. You're a doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're whatever the uh, that in, kind of that entitled authority type thing, and then coming down in the Zig Ziglar aspect of leadership, which would be actually having influence, having being attractive to people. Then they want to hear from you. They want to follow you. So we had this discussion, and it was really good because mm-hmm. they, it's not one that they've been on a lot. And of course, we spent a lot of time, so uh, it was fun to play with that and to uh yeah hear their perspectives as whatever they are what are they millennials well i was just going to ask you a question so your kids are mid and upper 20s they are making decisions about their future and jobs and tom you said you know people want work that matters that 
has a purpose. And so here's my grapple. If I can bring up a grapple for 20. Let's grapple. Is my son is turning 17. And uh, there's been a few upper, you know, I would say 15 to 25 year olds as patients. Um, and, and Tom, I'm, I'm going to ask, well, both of you guys, so you've, you've got intimate relationships with kids. Um, and I, I can't see through my son and his friends and, and the, so, so yours are the tail end of millennials. Mine are the front middle of the Gen Z's and maybe yours are front Gen Z's. I don't know. And to me, I'm, I'm wondering how do I lead as, as a father with kids that want work that is, they, they, it, your old phrase, you have a purpose, put it to work, right? Well, they feel like they have a purpose, but I feel like they're told, go find it. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be hard because if it's hard, then that's not really it. Because when it's, when it just is, you're in the flow, you're in the zone, now that that's your purpose, put it to work. But the, but there's less of a likelihood to do the grind, and not not that people need to do the grind. And we've got you know, we've got. Have you heard of that book title "To Hell with the Hustle"? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that idea of hey, we did the grind and it ground us up, and we're only thirty. Mm-hmm. So th- so there's my grappling is uh, is for the younger people that we are having influence on. Where's the right coaching leadership, coach leadership to help them understand where the grind is? Because it still comes from me as an old boomer or whatever. Uh, I'm not a boomer. I'm a gen, I'm middle Gen X. <laughs> uh, to because when I say something, it becomes well. You are my grind. You. Dad, we're are back. making things hard to me. We're back to leadership. By proxy, you're the father. I am the father. And there's some baggage. Or I'm the doctor. You're That's making true. my life either, miserable. Either way, there's baggage <laughs> with your... My words will come from a pres- 55-year-old person. Right. Your prescriptions have baggage. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my words come out of my <laughs> mouth with suitcases attached. And, and they feel affronted. They get punched in the nose. With this big wrapped up suitcase of baggage that, or even if they perceive, yeah. So, that, so there's, whoops, there's my grapple. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting as we're talking about yeah influence and leadership and what it really is. And Tom, I know this is your this is your space and and right there because I'm grappling with the same thing with my kids and I'm so it's so glaring that it's back to something that you told me a long time ago. Uh, that's probably not politically correct, but in regards to kids and would I rather have X, them achieve whatever, achieve whatever, be whatever, do whatever, not do whatever, or would I rather have relationship? You would rather both. Both. I know. There's there's no doubt. And there's the effort to have both. But at the end of the day, if I don't have relationship, then I do have no influence. I have no leadership uh, except what I can do by, you know, authority, which you can't do it. I mean, your kid's 17, he's pretty much out of your controlled authority. And so we're back to influence and man, that's a, that is a grapple. That's what I would say. So my youngest kid is 10. My oldest kid is 27. And to watch the fruitions of that and where I have influence and where I struggle with it, I would say it's a, that is a, well, like attention, attention, yeah. uh, Tom. Yeah. So, you know, luckily we've been trying to figure the answer to this question out for millennium. Yeah. I want the definitive answer <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I think you can read, you know, Babylonian scrolls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that ask the same question. So, I'm going to take a very uh, circular route to an approach. Um, in Hebrew, there is no word for retirement. And I've talked about this before, but the idea is, is that retirement, the connotation is, is I'm, dur- I'm done working. I'm here to be served. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. But one of a purpose one of purposes that all of us have as human beings is to serve a fellow human being 
We're here to serve. We're here to solve problems. That's why we were ultimately created. So I do believe that people have a general purpose, which is to serve their fellow man. And they might have a specific purpose or a purpose in alignment with their gifts and talents and desires and passions that come about from a lot of different things. So while I may not know my purpose specific to me, I do know that in this world, I've got to go out and figure out how I can serve my fellow man, whether that's waiting a table, starting my own business, becoming a doctor, it doesn't matter. And so, so that's the first thing is whatever age you are, you can live out a purpose if you're five or 15 or 50 by figuring out how you can serve somebody else whether it's doing chores, whether it's getting a job, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're 90, you're still here to serve. The second thing uh, is there was a study done by JobSage in April of 2022. And it uncovered, they interviewed 2,000 people, 28% of them had quit their job in the last two years for mental health reasons. And so then they asked them, well, what were the contributing factors of the reason you quit your job? So 55% said stress and burnout, 38% said depression, and 37% said lack of motivation. And so at Ziegler, we flip it. And instead of focusing on the problem, we focus on the solution. So what is the solution to stress and burnout? It's quality of life. If I'm doing well mentally, spiritually, physically, in my family, in my personal life, in my finances, and in my career, whatever pressures come from work, I can handle. Well, what's how do I avoid depression? The antidote is purpose. When I am pers- when I am pursuing a purpose then I'm then happiness is discovered on that road. And our culture's backwards. Our culture says, hey, be happy. And then your purpose will be revealed. <laughs> right. And so there's a confusion, especially with young people, that I, you know, my purpose should make me happy. Well, or when I find my happiness, I'll find my purpose. My purpose is to be happy. No, your purpose is not to be happy. Tom, your purpose would, is- would, would you say that, I mean, maybe that's your quote of the, the, the job sage thing, but I, what you're saying is screaming so loudly to me right now that and so a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, and they're like, and, and it's not that they heard it from their parents, but in, or even from school, but just the cultural osmosis. It just seeps into their consciousness that happiness is purpose. And, and um, thank you for those words, that, that perspective, that paradigm shift of, because when I start to say words of purpose and the baggage that comes along of the word serve, like that even has baggage to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go to China. I got to go be a missionary. Oh, my gosh. But then when you said, no, no, solve problems, that, oh, well, I'm curious about problems. I, I, I want to. But when my, when my son, if I say, son, Ask you before you go on your date. Ask your mom if there's something you can do. It, 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 there's, it's like, it, it explodes his mind, and maybe that's reflecting bad on me as a father. Of I, I haven't trained, and I, maybe, I, and I'm guessing I'm, I haven't. I'm going to endeavor for 2023 to transition and say you you are not here to pursue happy. You are, and of course we've said those words in different ways. But when you're 17, he doesn't have a problem that he's curious about. He really doesn't. I mean, he doesn't know calculus from, you know, medicine from being in the military or go flip burgers. So it, it still comes from me saying, take out the trash. And in what attitude are you going to take out the trash? And, and so I'm, I'm going to shift my paradigm a little bit there. And, and, and 
encourage them to say, look, I want to be in a relationship with you. I don't want the trash to divide us. But somebody's got to take out the trash. And apparently you think I'm here to serve you. I think they would feel at least guilty enough to say, no, I'll do it. And then I'll be happy. And then I'll be. Okay. You, you guys have totally derailed my show. The <laughs> this, whole purpose is helping me. I know. I know. So we're going to stay here. We're just going to stay here. And we may do the other one that I had planned. I'm going to rewrite the intro and everything. We're going to come back to that. We're going to do that one as a second one. We're going to do two specials. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Because no, no, no. Because this is, this is good. And I, and I can hear people. I know people who will listen to this who are going, Ooh, tell me more about that. Because, you know, what you're talking about is so relates to, so for those who listen to the show, which of course is everybody listening, but a past shows we've had, um, uh, you know, Matt McWilliams on recently with his book, Turning Passions into Profits. That was the most recent show. We had uh, Richie Norton talking about anti-time management, but it was really talking about getting to purpose, what we're talking about here. We had Lynn Twist on the show, uh, renowned humanitarian, and her whole focus was, especially for the younger people, to find something that you're, you care about to some degree, you're interested in, and just commit to it. That commitment will turn you into the person who can fulfill it. Don't wait back here till you're ready for this purpose, till you find it, you know, go out there. So we're, we're overlapping on those things, but what you're talking about that I think is not only relatable to our kids, but to a lot of the adults who are listening to this show, who may be in middle age or past, who were those kids who never really tapped into that interest, that curiosity, that purpose. And now all these decades later, they still haven't found it. And some of these words about passions and doing what you care about still fall on deaf ears is, you know, where do you start with that? And there is, uh, it, it burdens me that we have the system right now with kids where you go into school and we think we have this premise that we're exposing them to a lot. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Okay, just to be base. Yeah. That's not a lot, uh, especially in this day and age. It's not experiential. It's not cause. It's not purpose. It's not those things. So when we have our kids and they're looking at, oh my gosh, what am I going to do after high school and go commit tens of thousands of dollars or more to school to pursue something and they haven't experienced yet. And I'm wishing that there was this, you know, sometimes we talk about a gap year, that there's an experiential year or an experiential five years. I've seen some of my kids, you know, I've got one that went to Europe for months and worked in vineyards and worked on farms and thought that that's what she wanted to do and realized, huh, I really love pieces of this, but that's not it. And it took her to the next place and took her to the next place. I've got another kid in academia who's got multiple degrees now going after doctorate as she's continuing to find, you know, her interest and watching them weave their way, but it's going to be a long path. And they've, I had to I was going to say break them from my own, my own premise that they perceived of, yeah, you've got to, you got to come out of the gate, know your purpose and commit to it to have a great life. And they're going, Dad, I, I do not know exactly what you said, what my purpose is. And I backpedaled and said, oh my gosh, of course you don't. You got to go find it. You got to go experience stuff. You've got to go expose yourself to that, to stuff. And that's as people are hearing this. I mean, for some people, that is easy. Some it's not so much. Okay, well, I, I feel like we're going to get some wisdom from Tom, but Tom on the other side of that is where Kevin, your kids are, you know, they've had gap years and five years in Europe and all that. And mine are going into that. And I'm saying, I, and I, I did tell him you can have a gap year that as long as I'm not funding it, you, you, because the, I know what that's going to look like is still most of your time is going to be in repose and relaxation and not pursuing or learning. So so there's this baggage piece again. And maybe it's my fault, but I don't think it is that when you say go find an experience, hardly ever does does any kid say, yeah, I need to get the school hard knocks. I need to go out there and fail. I need to go out there and get a job for a year that I hate. But that is a piece of the learning and and I, I so we're, we're to the tension, Tom, of what part of experience, Kevin, because when you said the word experience, you didn't mean, uh, well, it, be homeless for a year and yeah, end up in jail. Uh, well, right. for me, the experience was 10 hours a day of studying. Oh. Uh, that, that was a piece of what led me to not pursue that degree and pursue a different one. Uh, those, the the reading writing arithmetic is still a piece of all of that or it can be 
So, so here we are, and I'm on the front side, and, and my son is, is very good at contemplation and not so good at execution of whatever the plan is. And, and so do, and I am going to stay in relationship. That, that's, that, uh, that is kind of an ultimate. So, Tom, help me. Yeah, so here's a kind of a setup question. So who, who served more people in their life? Mother Teresa or Bill Gates? Yeah, I know the answer to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who solved more problems? Yeah. Right? Who who allowed for things to get better in such a way that more people could be helped? Well, again, on the front side of Bill Gates, did his dad say, son, you're going to college? Well, he actually dropped out of college, you know, because he had... He did find his, he answered a question, he pursued the passion, and it led to service of humanity. Uh, so, so when you look at um, this concept um, in, in ancient Jewish uh, tradition, uh, teaching, there are no rights. their only responsibilities. And so in today's culture, many people believe that they have a right to be taken care of, to get a basic income. Most kids believe they have a right to uh, shelter and food and allowance and money to go do stuff. And, and, you know, while it's incumbent, on the parents to a certain age, there's also a certain age where it becomes less and less. But the interesting thing is, is that people get fearful of that. There are no rights statement. Wait a second. If every single human being walking the planet has a responsibility to take care of someone less off than they are, (laughs) that's a bigger responsibility than the right ever entails. Right. And so when somebody's coming up, uh, so who are you, who are you going to take care of? It doesn't matter what age you are. There's somebody with less than you that you can help. And so that's an interesting twist on what does that mean? And so, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin's the one who said the opposite of depression is not happiness. He said the opposite of depression is purpose. And so our purpose here is a human is to solve the problems and serve fellow humans. And we discover happiness on the road to our purpose. Now in that job sage study, you know, I'm taking the big circular route. 37% said that they quit their job because of lack of motivation. I just don't like doing that. Mm -hmm. And so what's the antidote to that? It's growth. If I'm growing, if I'm more effective tomorrow than I am today, and I do that every single day, right? If I'm constantly growing, then I've got intrinsic motivation. People who are constantly growing, they don't they don't need an alarm clock to wake up in the morning. I mean, every day is an adventure because I get to <laughs> I get to do something today a little bit better than I did yesterday. And so I put it all in one sentence and I say you know, uh, what if you're growing towards your purpose and taking care of your quality of life at the same time? Or if I'm a coach leader and I've got somebody on my team, you know, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to ask them questions that help them grow. I'm going to ask questions that connect the purpose of my, of my business and their job to their personal purpose. And then I'm going to, I'm going to guard and protect their quality of life along the way. If I was working for a leader who cared about my purpose, who wanted to make sure I was growing and who protected my quality of life, why would I ever leave? (laughs) I mean, it's just, and so if I'm raising a child and I'm saying, okay, uh, Hey, you've got it. Your purpose here is to serve some, how are you growing towards that? So that's theoretical, practical, when my daughter was between her junior and senior year in high school, we did this big giant 
uh, psychological evaluation because we wanted to see how she was made. You know, we wanted to see how she was bent. And the goal, you know, because she was going to go to school, college, and she could literally pick any direction. And so what we were trying to do is instead of a 360-degree field of view (laughs) of which direction to go, we wanted to narrow it down maybe to 90 degrees. And then the encouragement is, okay, pick one and go at it 100% and learn and grow as fast as you can and serve as many people in the process as you can. And as you gain feedback, alter your direction a little bit. Because the the great danger for any any age, but especially young people, is not to head out in a direction at all, but to wait. Yeah. Because happiness won't show up at your door. Right? It just it doesn't ring the doorbell and say, Hey, happiness is here. <laughs> but this is what this is the uh paradox. You can choose happiness. You can wake up and say, I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to be happy. Well, how am I going to choose to do that? I'm going to go out and do something that matters, that solves a problem for somebody else. And I'm going to, I'm going to digest the day and see what I learned and, and what I liked and what I would like to do different. And I'm going to make course corrections as we go. This is especially challenging, this whole purpose thing, for people of faith, because there's a belief structure that says, well, God created me. I have, I have one purpose and I better not mess it up. I better not screw it up. So that resonates. It, it does. And I think that's where we come back to what I talked about with my kids of them getting kind of waylaid, kind of stuck on that. Oh my gosh. How daunting to find that one purpose. Do you feel like they've been culturalized osmosis? Um, uh, I don't have a right word for that, but you know, they've grown up in your home with you as influence and yet there's still, and, and Tom, I agree that, uh, the word right versus responsibility. And it, I mean, my goodness, the number one right you have because food, shelter, clothing goes without saying, but the debatable right is healthcare. As if somebody else could give you health. Like that's a right intrinsic. And it just, to me, it's a, it is a, the example of somebody, well, if you don't, if you just sit there and wait for health to happen to you, then you, by definition, cannot be healthy. That isn't health. And, I just I feel that I, I in even seeing it just in my own kids that I think are doing great. You know, they're still doing very well in school. They can they've got options ahead of them. It's not like we're you know scraping the bottom of the barrel and trying to you know just get some grades done and 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 whatever. But the the osmosis of the way they say the words and how words have meanings or don't or the way that meanings of words have changed. Is, is kind of surprising to me. And Tom, like you said, since Babylon, you know, every father of every generation has said, my goodness, these, this new generation and all these newfangled whatevers uh, don't seem to be quite right. I, I mean, to your question, have my kids been influenced? Yeah. We end up having some, I hope, healthy, I think, healthy debates on around this aspect that I'm going to, I would refer to, even if I don't say it right there in their face, of entitlement. Of, of rights around healthcare and government things. And I think my kids are kind of, are, are more sensitive to it because they feel privileged, which they are. They grew up here in the mountains in a bubble and they don't know, they didn't know crime or poverty or need or whatnot. Not. And then we, as we stepped into exposure to people who really had that, oh, they had, they grew a heart for it, which is great. I love that. Yeah. And yet in that, then they can tend to, yeah, they're influenced by the culture. And I struggle with some aspects of, yeah, entitlement and, and take care of me that they don't even live out themselves, but they tend to, they have some, uh, uh, they'll, they'll grasp onto that sometimes 
as far as trying to help other people, Hey, they should be taken care of in that sense. And I'm ruffles my feathers a a little bit. And so I hope it's, you know, again, a healthy debate. There's a big piece that you guys have both said, but Tom, you made me think of with this of purpose, talking about purpose and talking about serving others, that it just sounds so altruistic. And I do find myself with the kids and with other people trying to dispel that somewhat that it's really, that's really, it's completely in my self-interest. If I, Kevin Miller, want to be happy, to use that word, but I want to have joy, I want to have peace, I want to have fulfillment, I want to have purpose, I want to wake up with inspiration and curiosity and excitement for my day, the best thing I can do is find somebody to serve. I mean, we can't not want to do that. And I I found myself tipping the tables of saying, look guys, the, the billionaire playboy out there who throws a raging party with all the alcohol and scandal and all the stuff you get at the heart of it, the guy, the person is trying to serve people. He wants to be the hero. He wants to matter. And it may be at a shallow level of feeding shallow appetites. It comes from the same place of, man, we want meaning. I don't know that it's that in, that's just probably a little bit blasphemous, but somewhat, is it that much intrinsically different? The dopamine hit that that person gets from serving people than what Mother Teresa got in Calcutta serving the homeless. I mean, it's just at the core. And I've, I've found myself wanting to impart that because I appreciate that to know, man, my efforts to serve people, it's, I got a grand self, uh, self-interest in this. Uh, as Anthony DeMello would say, it's an evolved self-interest. Thank goodness. I could take that self-interest and just feed myself, or I can take that self-interest and feed others. It's still self-interest. And I appreciate that because it feels like, oh, I can accept that. This, I, I'm not telling my kids to go find purpose by serving homeless kids in Calcutta. That if, if that's what calls on them, great. But it may be in another way. But man, if they want joy and happiness, it's going to come far more from that than from scrolling the next screen. And so trying to turn the tables on that, because as you talked about, or somewhat alluded to, the culture right now has them glued to those screens that shows them that happiness is from the next clothing, the next game, the next car, the next bite cool. of appetite. Or even in in this, in these young 15 to 25 year olds, they're on the screens watching the lives of the people out there doing the, doing the stuff. Okay. No, I love that because this came up with one of the kids who was watching some YouTuber who playing a game or whatever, uh, or no, 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 it was, it was somebody, it was a movie star and they were asking, somebody uh, asked them about a show that was on TV and this, whoever the movie star, I, this is a couple years ago. And they said, man, I, I actually don't have time to watch many shows. I don't really know what's happening out there because they're busy making the shows. I said, yeah. okay, you, tune, I love that. you tune into that guys. I, I do want to bring up just as far as a resource on this. What's the verse you guys know, the, the verse train up a child in the way that they are bent. I don't know. I don't have the reference. I can't think of the right, pull up the, the verse. That they should so that's a Biblical verse. Yeah. The, the way they are bent, the way that they should go, not the way that we want to bend them, not the way that we think that they should go, but train up a child. And that is, I feel, I think we've all done that. Tom, I know you have your daughter, Alexander grew up in Ziegler hood and you know, she was brought up to, to know herself, to understand herself to the best of her abilities, to understand her bent in the way that she is made to go. I mean, we've had some incredible resources on the show. The most recent one was Patrick Lencioni. Working genius. Uh, this was uh, in 2022. I don't know what month. We had Patrick Lencioni, one of the most well-known business influencers out there. I would say influencers overall. I got a great podcast. And Working Genius is a test, a test, a profile you can take. I think it's 25 bucks. You can go there right now. WorkingGenius.com. It's like 15 bucks. Uh, Randy, I got yours the other day. It's so interesting. So my wife just recently took it. I think four of my kids have taken it and we talked about it over Christmas again. And it was that aspect of looking at, man, how am I naturally bent? Most people know that through the disc profile or the Myers-Briggs profile. Another one I like in regards to work is Jonathan Fields Spark Type. It's S-P-A-R-K-E. TYPE.com. That one's a free assessment that you can take and having the kids take these things and to understand even the basics of their spectrum of introversion or extroversion and 
uh, all these different nuances is so great in helping them go, gosh, no wonder that job is frustrating for me or no, no wonder that, 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 uh, event that we did was so thrilling for me and so taxing for my brother and and they're understanding that and using that in their vernacular to help guide them as they go out and experience these things. But I mean, these are core things again, back to reading, writing, arithmetic. That's not, that has its purpose in the scheme of what we're talking about for purpose right now. I, I think it's fairly minimal and we're not doing well to equip kids. And again, a lot of people are hearing this right now who are 30, 40, 50 later who haven't gotten to that point yet. And Tom, I know that you guys, you as coach, well, gosh, Randy, both of you, I mean, you're on the front lines working with people who have a problem. They have a problem that they want to to do something. They want to become a coach, Tom, um, and they want to help other people. And yet they don't know how to do that well. And you're helping guide them there. You have people who come to you with often physical ailments, mental, physical, and at the heart of it, though, you're coming down. I know you both of this masterfully come down to the root issues, the mm-hmm. functional issues of what is really the crux, you know, for them. The question, the, the problem, we're back to that. We've just done a circular talk coming back to what is that problem for ourselves, uncovering that to understand our purpose and the problem we want to go out there and solve that thing that is. You know, we, we are going to come back to this another show that word for, but I have a word for me for this year has been curiosity. Hmm. I'm so grateful for curiosity. I mean, Tom, I know that the fact that how can you be as old as you are and wake up every morning curious? I, I mean, most people are bored and they're looking for the next dopamine hit and a screen to scroll. Uh, and yet you wake up curious and Randy, you do too. You come in every day and you got a new book, a new resource, a new idea. It's in my text. It's in my email. It's a book that you put on my desk. And this year it hit me that I don't know if there's anything I'm more grateful for. I mean, that's a hard statement. I'm grateful for God. I'm grateful for relationships, but man, even those, what fuels me is probably that I wake up in the morning and I'm curious. I'm interested about something. What a gift. feels like the root of so much. And yeah, it makes me want to foster curiosity for my kids, for others, for myself. What am I exposing myself to keep that curiosity flowing? Yeah. When I, when I think of uh, purpose, I'll use an old story. Dad made it famous. Um, there was a man working in his office and his six-year-old son came in and said, dad, let's go play catch. And dad said, when I'm done with my work, we'll play catch. Well, how long will that be? Well, it'll be a little while. So the little boy leaves. He comes back three minutes later. Dad, are you done yet? No. The little boy leaves. He comes back five minutes later. Dad, are you done yet? No. So the dad said, look. And he had a magazine, and there was a picture of the world on it. And he cut this uh, map of the world into like 50 pieces. And he gave it to his son. And he said, when you finish putting this puzzle back together of the world, then we can play. So the little boy runs off. He's got a project. And the dad's thinking, golly, I've got 45 minutes of peace and quiet. Five minutes later, the little boy comes in. Dad, dad, I'm finished. And the dad says, show me. And he looks down. You know, he walks out. He looks down the floor. And there it is. It's done. And he's like, son, how did you get the world completed so quickly and the little boy said well dad on the other side of the picture of the world there was a picture of a man and when i got the man right the world was right (laughs) and that's the problem you see our our we think our purpose is to go fix the world no our first really i think you know besides serving our fellow man our first purpose is to fix ourselves (laughs) right is to grow into the person God created us to become. If that's, and we do that in every area of our life, our mental, our physical, our spiritual, our family, all these different things. And so it does. That's ageless. It doesn't matter what age you are. You can become a more capable person at any age. And so that's that's why that sequence is. I got to grow towards my purpose. Well, if I'm not sure what my purposes. In the meantime, I can develop myself and grow 
and I can serve people until that, you know, that great connection happens. And then, so you look at Zig Ziglar, what a great proof case. He started every day, two to three hours reading and researching. Why? To learn something new that he would internalize and simplify mm-hmm. so he could share with someone else for their benefit. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. And so because his motive was to help someone else, which, wow, that's a pretty good purpose, right? And by the way, you can do that serving coffee at McDonald's, and you can do that getting a PhD in nuclear physics. I mean, there's all these, this is a huge range, but if you're growing towards a purpose and you're in your, and and what does it mean to protect your quality of life? Well, you, you lose your health or your family. What's the point? Hey guys, I want to, Tom, you just, you're hosting this show. I'm just facilitating at this point because you keep bringing me to stuff. I'm just going to make this a part one and two. So we guys, we got to, we got to come together and record again, uh, on this kind of an encapsulation of some big thoughts over the year, because Tom, you just brought one up that I just didn't come to mind, even though it's been uh, profound for this year, for my family, for me. And it has been just what you talked about the understanding of self, the love of self. We had recently humble the poet on, and his book is how to be loved. And he starts off with asking some questions around what is love? How do we define love and some errant errancies around that. But then the part one on how to be loved was all about loving self. That has been a theme for me for this year, for my family, because Myself and my wife, the leaders of our family, at 50, you know, 52, 53 years old, married 30 years, have put so much effort, and it, a lot of it's good. I'm not, I'm not uh, diminishing any of it, but into external love. Mm-hmm. These kids that we serve, these people that we serve, and we missed us. Mm-hmm. And so many of the people I've had on the show, this has been a theme for the year. If I went back and did a, uh, you know, had a, a word diagram from all the shows this year, I wonder if this would be top of the list. And it was, you know, call it self-love, call it, I talked about uh, being proud of yourself, Tom, one time. I don't know if you even remember this. You, you said, I think it's self-approval, having self-approval. We had somebody else recently, it was Richie Norton, talk about self-worth and where our worth comes from. And we keep coming to this. And that has been something that we have found ourselves at, in our own journey. I say we, my wife and I, with the kids too, is what about them? Man, that was not in my vernacular personally and as a father to focus on them and their yeah their their peace with self and so here we are talking about purpose and i'm coming you know it's kind of flipping the table and going guys if i hadn't really conceptualized this tom but that's that's where we've been and you're going to help me solidify it more in my mind i'm going you want purpose out there you want happiness you find happiness here inside I mean, we, we all know that with a faith-based context, you know, God's love for us. I feel like that's even that from a biblical, from a church standpoint, didn't serve me fully well because I, I heard that, but I think I would have, I, I wanted to hear, I should have heard, could have heard God saying, Kevin, you need to, you need to be okay with yourself. You need to look in the mirror and be okay with Kevin, even even beyond just my love, because my kids can recognize my love for them and yet still look in the mirror and not be okay with themselves, just to feel inadequate, to feel inferior, to feel stressed. We know the stats on anxiety amongst everybody these days, but kids. And I wonder how much of that is just because they can't look in the mirror and go, you know what? You're okay. You're okay. I have grace for that person in the mirror. You're a pretty good person. And without that so that to to not have that and then to go out there that's what i've done and we're back to what you talked about a little bit ago tom burnout Uh, and it was i've mentioned a couple times now richie norton in the show he talked about man he said burnout he says i have so many people come to me with burnout especially guys but everybody and he says i find that they often think about how much they're working he says, I don't find that. I find that the people who are, are the happiest and the most purposeful, they work more than anyone. It's not the amount they're working. It's what they're working at. 
and back to purpose? And do they find inspiration, curiosity, interest, purpose in their, you know, in their work? And then we got again, talking into self self worth though, that that's at the root of even that, of how can we go out there and serve people and love them well enough when we don't have that for ourselves first. So man, I mean, that's a can't. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking out of conviction now, uh, on the, on the good side, not, not right. So the, the, there's a tension and a bothness here, as there always is, yeah. um, uh, about, so again, we're in Christmas. Everybody's been spending time around their families. I sat for hours these last two days with a father-in-law and a brother-in-law, and both are smart men, one a pastor of 40 years, and we were debating on the translation of the word that comes across as blessed are you. Okay. So... Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes. Because some translations are happy, it's like, ah, that's, that's not right. And, and, um, and so he threw out a word, and I thought, oh, let me, let me chew on that one a while. And to think God is proud of you, or approval, that ultimate, ultimate, ultimately, you know, that even when you have a, we compared to other animate objects on the earth have a concept of self in our own heads. I recognize myself as different from you and yourself. And I know that you also have a sense of self and this is humanity. And then, so, so the, the tension, because we as fathers know it is more loving to train up a child, not only in the way that he should go, but he also has to know how to say please and thank you and clean your room. And he doesn't want, he doesn't innately want to do that. So we're into the, again, the, the, that, that slice in time where it's like, son, and also in, in the Hebrew tradition and, and the, you know, that, that the fathers that love the son, the true son, they, they get instruction and sometimes it's painful and sometimes it's good. And so it's the bothness of, of, of looking at self and saying self, or what I think God would say is, yeah, you can't do one more thing, Kevin, to make me love you more or gain more approval. And it's out of that love and out of that approval that I'm now, the very next slice of a second in time is the curiosity and service. Out of that love and approval, what what's next? And then we as humans tend to think, oh gosh, I'm not doing that next thing well enough. What a, what a terrible person I am. Or, oh, because I didn't do, because I didn't get an A on the test, I'm, I'm guilty, I'm shameful, I'm, I'm whatever. And I was, no, 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 no. That, well, that doesn't mean just sit there and go get an F because you're okay. You still got to do life and the thing. And, and, and this, I think we're back to the, the, the heart of relationship, which is love. Yeah. And all of the various breakdowns of, well, what is love and how do we do that? And, and we are in danger, I think, of a culture of where our children perceive me as never being quite satisfied with their grades or their, whatever, their performance. And I perceive the Gen Z as being overly self-loving through a sense of entitlement or I don't have to work for this because I, yeah. I should just get it from somewhere, whether it's money or, or these other or, or even self-approval. And and so it's it's we're back to relationship and and each kid's a little different. Myself is a little well, different. I, I'll, man, I'll tell you where it brings me, and it is you just hit on a big aspect of this. And as you talk about performance, it was a, a, a re, again a recent show. It was with my brother, uh, who you know, and he in reference to his kids and the topic that we were on, which I think was humble the poets, how to be loved book. It was the topic we were talking on. And he made a statement that I heard later from a friend who had listened to the show and said it just rocked their world. And it was my brother saying I, his focus on telling his kids that they are, that they are going to go out in the world, they're going to have successes, and they're going to have failures, neither of which are their self-worth. They're winning the game, they're getting the degree, the job, the whatever, the successes, that is not their self-worth. Neither are the failures. And we're back to Zig Ziglar. Failure is an event. 
not a person. Their worth is solid. It is intrinsic. It is intrinsic. Can we, can we impress that upon them and then say, but it's nice to have successes out here. We don't really want to end up homeless in the street. That's another thing over here, but it's not your self-worth. You're doing that for the opportunities for the, for joy, for fulfillment, for, you know, achievement that we all want, but can we separate those? And that's where I feel like we have done. So I, I haven't lived that life. Well, I have put my own self-worth in my achievements. I'm trying to break that apart now mm-hmm. at 52 and say so that my self-worth is not in that. I do not have to strive and kill myself and go to burnout. As you talked about Tom, to try to win my self-worth, my self-worth is here, man. That's big medicine there. Mm-hmm. Now over here, I do want opportunity. I do want to succeed and achieve that is fun and joy, but it's a lot. Well, I it can be fun and joy. It's going to, it can be a burden. If it's tied to your self-worth, it can be fun and joy. If my self-worth is solid, now I can go out there and just expand on life. And that is a gift I want for myself more and for my children uh, as well. You know, it's interesting last night. I, I never go to the theater except during the holidays. So we went and saw avatar, hmm. um, which I'm sure lots of people did. That probably cost you like two, 300 bucks. We took 15 people. <laughs> so do the math and the popcorn with yeah. this combo thing. I think Ooh. it was, yeah, a few hundred bucks. Um, my wife and I last night went and saw uh, the new Whitney Houston film. Uh, it's on her life. Oh, so it's just yeah. a docu kind of a doc. Well, you know, a, a movie made about her life. So Whitney Houston, uh, somebody who we liked her music. My wife uh, was a big for her as a professional dancer and whatnot. So we went and saw it, but her, her song last night that, that the, actress, you know, saying on stage that I heard a hundred times, but in this reference, it hit me different. It's called the greatest love of all the greatest love of all people. Most people can probably, at least people our age, the greatest <laughs> love of all is inside yourself. I thought, Oh, but I never listened to that. It was the greatest love of all is not the, it, this wasn't a love song of romance out here. It was mm. of self. Holy smokes. That's, that's, that's been going around for a long time. This is as old as older than Solomon. And yet here we are today with some really bad health stats, depression, uh, diseases of despair, suicide, whatnot, and not a lot of love for self going on. And we don't have much exposure culturally with the media, uh, of that being the source of our joy as opposed to the next shiny object, the next even achievement. And man, that's a difficult place that we find ourselves with our kids and with ourselves right now. You know, I, uh, way back when in high school, 40 years ago, I read, uh, how should we then live by Francis Schaeffer? Hmm. One of the great, philosophers and Christian thinkers of history. And he argued that everything hinges on the sanctity of human life. That as soon as you value human life differently because of its age, because of its ability, because of its race, because of any anything that you want to put on it, that you are now on the slippery slope into the abyss. And so I wonder when we say, oh, the greatest love of all is your love for self. And yet Canada has assisted suicide because people don't have money. Hmm. That has a cultural compound effect that says my life is only valuable as to what it produces mm-hmm. in a tangible way. And then if you study history and you look at the greatest leaders of all time, so many of them, uh, as they were growing up, they had to care for invalid parents or, or brothers and sisters who were um, um, mentally or physically disabled. And because of that, care and compassion they had to learn from childhood is what gave them the strength and compassion as leaders to um, 
win world wars. <laughs> and so it's a really interesting thing that our culture says, yeah, your life really isn't that. I mean, yeah, you're, you should love yourself. Um, but you know, life has different values depending on where you are geographically or how old you are and, and what you're able to contribute. So I think it's a very, it's a very deep question. Um, on how we value ourselves and scripturally, and this is a hard one for me, there is no condemnation for those who believe. And as a believer, a Christ follower, for me, it is so hard to forgive yourself yeah. for your shortcomings. And yet God says, I'm not condemning you. And so it's that sense that we've got to we've got to earn the gap, right? We've got to fill, we got to make up. And it's like, no, it's a clean slate. You don't have to make up. You just have to start now and sin no more. Is Kevin, when you said the greatest love of all, I, I also in, in and I was trying to think of that because so often as I'm talking with my dad, who's eighty, there's what I think is his cultural bent to say whoa red flag sure and and i kind of i had a thought of whoa red flag and and tom what you just said is like there there it is there is that again that infinite splicing of of time and self and awareness and how i'm going to say it within my own head or to a spouse or to a kid or to a patient that that because that is probably a i'm going to agree with you and say yeah that's that's the well maybe you could argue the greatest love of all would be god for us or but I, but i think somehow in uh, like what you said tom is well we can't love others as we love ourselves unless we love ourselves and which is the second greatest commandment mm-hmm. and 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 so so here's the issue Right, like this is potentially the issue, and because it is so in full of intrinsic worth and value and gravitas, and and it just is as a very pregnant word. Boy, that could explode one way or the other, and I am wary of both my own baggage of how I have heard it and acted it and not acted it, especially to self. And I'm also very, very wary of when the world says love is love, like that poster, right? Like what they mean is your job is to love me the way I want to be loved and make me happy. Right. At least that's my interpretation. But at the same time, there's so much self-loathing that comes across as I have to make myself into something different or like Tom said, I have to make myself produce A's or produce a product or I have to save the world or change the climate or whatever in order to have worth it isn't about just being a human it's going to be built on who am i associated with and then we get into the debate about you know what is my race and what is my socioeconomic and and it's it's just because it is so truthful it can also when you just get a whisker off of the truth it can be so powerfully damning well, it's yeah, the story we write behind it i mean right now we're at a time when narcissism is talked about so much like it's some plague going around and i think a lot of people would associate self-love with that i think that's where we got to back off saying that's that that would be a lack of self-love narcissism is self-serving right i, I would say i would say it's a it, but it's a result of a lack of self-love those people that i know who have the most Self-love, which I'm going to put in compassion and grace uh, for themselves, they're the ones that love others best. And it draws me, Tom, to one of your statements that you said a couple years ago that I don't know how many times I've repeated because it's one I need as medicine for myself, is to have the highest standards. I, 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 that motivates me. I want the highest standards. And my standards are so high, I'll never meet them. But you're saying to have the highest standards, this is Tom Ziegler quote, and the deepest grace. Mm. Those are hard to hold. As Randy James would say, the both are the tension 
those are hard things to hold. But if we can, what glory is in there? And so this, yeah, even this aspect of self-love, um, to have grace for ourselves, to have compassion for ourselves, those things that we want to have for other people, that type of a love, an all-encompassing love that we have for ourselves should enable us to go out there and serve others, which as we started the show with is where we find the most purpose. Man, this is fun to do with you guys. Uh, we just need to do a part two because I still have questions. I still have things I want to hear from you. So, man, thank you guys. What a yeah, gift. Thank you. What a highlight to uh, end a year with right here. Thank you. I feel this episode is a great primer for your new year as you look to what your goals and aspirations really are at what will truly fulfill you and others. As you look toward the impact you want to have on others, it's understanding how to truly serve them well. You can find Tom Ziegler at Ziegler.com and Dr. Randy James at TrueLifeMedicine.com. Thank you as always for choosing to tune in to this self-helpful podcast. If you got value, it'd be great if you left a review. It'd be greatest if you just talk about what you heard here with someone else and dig deeper into your own pondering and grappling with it. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others. <laughs>